Welcome. Welcome to a place where you will hear from ordinary people who have stepped out in faith and have some extraordinary testimonies to share. My hope is that you will be inspired today, inspired to take your own step or leap of faith, to do that thing, no matter how big or how small you believe God is calling you to do. Your faith may feel as small as a mustard seed right now, or maybe big enough to move mountains. No matter where you are in your faith journey, I am confident that God will meet you right where you are. I'm your host, Trish McCarthy, and I'm so glad you're listening. Well, I am really looking forward to you sharing your story, Cindy. It's such a great example of embracing the process and trusting God through all of our trials and tribulations, even when our faith feels feels small. Also, I think it's an extremely relevant story, and many people will be able to relate to it and identify with it, including myself. So let's hop right in. Okay. Well, thank you. I'm I'm actually very excited to share this because... I feel like God's been wanting me to share this more and more, mm-hmm. um, so I'm excited about this opportunity. Yay! So it, I have to go back a ways. Uh, this all started in July, roughly, you know, July of 1999. So that's kind of a ways back. And um, at the time, my husband and I were looking at going to the mission field. Um, and so we had one night, we had a missionary couple come over and have dinner with us and just kind of picked their brains and asked them a lot of questions. And then after they left, we watched a ridiculous movie. And all I really remember about the movie is that there were these three wives and each one of them, their husbands died of heart attacks. (laughs) So it was ridiculous. I don't remember anything else about the movie, but that night as I was trying to go to sleep, I had, um, I didn't know it at the time, but I had what would end up being my first panic attack. I felt like this tightening in my chest, um, like there was a weight on my chest, and it it got harder and harder to breathe, and I was absolutely terrified that I was dying, that I was actually having a heart attack. Mm. Um, So I woke up my husband. He always falls right asleep, so he was already asleep. I woke him up. And he called 911 because we both thought, oh, my gosh, my he thought my wife's having a heart, heart attack. So the EMS came, checked me out. Basically, they said everything is fine except that you've, you've been hyperventilating. Mm. And then they asked me what to me at the time seemed like a very strange question. They said, do you have a history of anxiety? And I had always thought that emotionally, you know, I didn't struggle with that, that I was fairly stable, things didn't really phase me. My husband would always say she's so calm. (laughs) Um, So that was a strange question. Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, then it happened again a few weeks later, same kind of experience, the tightening of my chest, it being hard to breathe and just this sheer terror that I was dying. I, mean, I was absolutely convinced that I was yeah. dying. Oh, yeah. Um, so that time I said, okay, I need to go see a doctor or something. And and we so I actually made an appointment with my midwife, who was also a nurse practitioner. And she was the first one to diagnose me as having panic attacks. And she actually gave me a prescription, which um, honestly, I never filled. Uh, but I just want to just kind of insert right here that um I would never tell anybody, you know, yeah. not to fill a prescription. Right. If, if a medical person gives you a prescription, go fill a prescription. <laughs> um, and I'm, I'm sure medicine could have helped. But for whatever reason, for me at that time, I felt that the Lord wanted me to get to the bottom of this and to really that there was actually a root uh, fear that I needed to 
to seek him for. So I started doing that. I started really praying, you know, reading scriptures about fear, about death and all that kind of stuff and just trying to understand and you know, all the while um I guess I would say the the panic attacks by this time were happening on a weekly mm-hmm. basis. So I'm kind of going through all this and seeking the Lord and trying to understand what is going on. Why did this happen? It kind of seemed like it came out of nowhere. And um, I started to see that the prospect of going to the mission field had actually exposed in me a fear of death. Mm. So you said that you began seeking the Lord and studying scripture. And I'm just curious, what did that look like practically speaking for you? Was there anything very specific or practical that you did? Yeah, I mean, um, well, for one thing, I, when I was actually in the middle of a panic attack, it, it almost, honestly, it seemed like nothing worked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but when I wasn't in the middle of a panic attack, I would I actually had scriptures that I would put on index cards that I taped to my headboard because it, the panic attacks were always happening at night when I was trying mm-hmm. to go to sleep. So I would, I would read scripture. I would actually, I would put in headphones and listen to scriptures. I was falling asleep, all of it. With the idea of hopefully preventing right, right. <laughs> a panic attack from happening and obviously a lot of prayer. And then in the next day, I never, I don't think I ever had a panic attack during the day. But, you know, the next morning, just again, just in the word, just really trying to read scriptures about fear, about death and trying to renew my mind mm-hmm. and just trying to figure out, you know, what is it? What's, what is it that I'm so afraid of and how can I get that fear out of my heart? Yeah, right. And then even in the midst of trying to get to the root of that fear, it's almost like this new fear started to to bubble up of the fear of having a panic yes. attack. So the fear yeah. of that itself yes. began to... Yeah, yeah absolutely. So um, there at some point the panic attacks became a weekly occurrence mm-hmm. and sometimes even more frequent mm-hmm. and typically they lasted about 30 to 45 minutes um and that was like you know that doesn't seem like a long time but it felt like an eternity mm. when you know when you're in the middle of a panic attack oh, it yeah. feels like an eternity because you do feel like at least for me the way it manifested for me is i felt like i was dying for 30 minutes oh that's <laughs> um horrible. so it's just a sheer absolute <laughs> yeah. terror yes. um so and then then the fear like you said the fear of one happening would often bring one on oh my gosh sometimes i actually even woke up in the middle of the night i'd actually already gone to sleep and i'd wake up in the middle of the night in a full-blown attack oh my goodness just absolutely terrified that's the first thing i could remember is i'm waking up is that i'm having a panic attack i'm gonna die all that kind of stuff so it was it was awful Mm. (laughs) and i mean i would try you know at times i would try at least early on i would wake up my poor husband (laughs) to pray with me and you know and he'd pray and he'd just kind of hold my hand and just kind of be with me and that was all precious but after a while when you know that just wasn't helping and I finally started feeling guilty about even waking him up so I wouldn't even wake him up I would just kind of suffer through it alone you know and I mean I know I wasn't really alone but it felt that way in the at the time that I was alone but of course God never left me but all of my begging him to rescue me didn't seem to make any difference. And what what was what was going on in your mind during that time? You're begging, you're crying out and and you said it it, it, it didn't really feel like it was making much of a difference. Did that affect your faith in any way? Did it affect your relationship with him? Um 
I mean, there were times that I was full of faith and I knew that God was going to do something and he was working and all of that. But then there were other times that I just felt so in the dark and just felt like, are you even there? Do you Mm -hmm. even hear me? Why are you allowing? Mm. I I didn't believe he was causing it, but why are you allowing this to happen to me? Don't you care how much I'm suffering? Um, So yeah, there were certainly times that I... I felt like I felt abandoned. Right. Um, yeah. And you had lots of questions. And I, I just read something the other day about how faith isn't a lack of questions, but mm. faith knows where to take those questions. That's good. And so you were asking yeah. him, why, yeah. Lord? Why? What do you want me to learn? <laughs> how, what, what, what's the root of this? So you brought your questions to the right source, right? Right. Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, so that's what, a good point. Yeah. So what happened next? So um, actually, fast forward about six months, um, which again, when you're having panic attacks, that seems like an eternity. (laughs) And um, early morning, I was trying to have a quiet time, just trying to have a a time alone with the Lord before the kids got up. And I say trying because Kaylee, my daughter, she had some sort of sixth sense. She would know when I was (laughs) up and she'd get up and come and interrupt me. So Mm -hmm. it just didn't, it didn't seem to matter how early I got up, she, she would wake up and come and interrupt. So that's what happened that morning. I was actually reading and um, just beginning to read and meditate on the 23rd Psalm. And my and then I, I hear my daughter's voice. Mm-hmm. She calls me from the hallway. I'm in the living room. She's in the hallway. And so I, I called her to come to me and she shook her head and pointed at a pretty scary looking shadow mm-hmm. on the wall between mm-hmm. me and her. And um, so, and I knew that it was a shadow that our hat rack was causing. So there was a light on in my bedroom. It was shining through the hat rack and creating what to my poor daughter looked like a monster on the wall. And I guess I should mention that she's not quite three years old at this point. So I get up and I walk over there and I'm doing the little bunny things on the wall. (laughs) And and I went over to the hat rack and tried to move the hat rack. I'm trying to explain to her about shadows. When I moved the hat rack, she screamed. Um, And then I'm just so frustrated. I got down on my knees right in front of her. I'm looking her right in the eye. And I said, how can I make you understand? It's just a shadow. And then, I mean, just as clear as anything, I heard the Lord echoing that same question back to me. How can I make you understand? Mm. It's just a shadow of death. Wow. So um, (laughs) that was a a defining moment, oh, yes. um, you know, just to, just to realize just the frustration I felt trying to explain to my almost three-year-old daughter and she couldn't understand about shadows. She didn't, she didn't understand that she didn't have to be afraid of that thing on the wall. It wasn't really going to hurt her. There was no substance to it. And that's what God's trying to make me see mm-hmm. <laughs> about this fear of death because death, he so clearly showed me it doesn't have any substance. Mm-hmm. It's just it's just a shadow of death. In fact, I had just been reading that in Psalm 23 where it says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. It's just a shadow. And just as that hat rack was blocking the light and creating this distorted image on the wall, I was looking at at what I, the scary thing, instead of looking at the source, mm. you know, looking at the Lord, who is the source of love and light and, and, and knowing that he's going to take care of me, knowing that he has an incredible future in store for me, knowing that death 
really doesn't have any substance. Right. Um, so that was just, that was incredible. And That's, I, yeah. Yeah. So I wish I could say that at that point the panic attack stopped. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> but they didn't. Um, they did, however, I think get weaker. Um, I felt they weren't happening as frequently. And they didn't, the duration was not as long. But mm-hmm. God was not finished. <laughs> when you were sharing that, something really stood out to me. You said, I knew what was causing the shadow. Like you could clearly see it, but Kaylee couldn't. Exactly. And as you were trying to help her see that, it's just the parallels to me were so amazing. Like <laughs> God knew yeah. what you couldn't see. Exactly. And he, sh- and he, just like you as the parent knew what Kaylee couldn't see. He as your parent Absolutely. knew what you couldn't see. And right. it's just amazing to me how that sort of paralleled yeah. <laughs> at the same exact time and I the know. words that came out of your mouth. And exactly. You I mean, it was so clear. Just oh. how can I make you understand? You know, when God speaks, it just, it cuts right through, mm. doesn't it? it yes. Just, it cuts right through everything. It's, mm. it's truth. It's power. Amen. So anyway. Um, Amen. So, but God wasn't finished. Okay. Um, so this next part, um, I've actually got a specific date because a, a lot of this is actually written down in my journal. And of course, a lot of the rest of it's kind of seared into my memory. But um, this was Saturday, April 6th, 2002, approximately 1030 p.m. And again, all that's written down in my uh-huh. journal. That's why I'm being so specific. <laughs> um, and I was actually at a ladies retreat. It's kind of a long story how I even got there. Uh-huh. Um, but the main speaker, she had just finished her message and she extended an invitation for people to walk up to the front. So I was one of the first ones to the front, you know, I mean, I'm like, I'm so there and I'm right in front of the stage and Dolores, that was a speaker's name. She's pacing back and forth across the stage. And she asked this question, if everything you hold dear were taken away from you, if you never saw the fulfillment of your deepest desires and dreams, would you still love him and would you still serve him? And I'm just going to read what I uh-huh. wrote in my journal. Okay. I wrote, from some long buried place in me, the answer came free and full and clear. You are all that I have. And I just felt like just so gently and tenderly the Lord said, you can just leave that fear of death here. And it's it's as if I was taking it out of my heart and I set it down. I was kneeling down and mm. I just set it down right there on the edge of the stage. And I just had this picture of just this fire consuming it. And then I got up and I worshiped. I mean, mm. I worshiped like I had never, oh. sorry, I'm going to get emotional, That's... like I had never worshiped before. Oh. I knew that I was free. Um, and that miraculous transaction really drained the power out of the panic attacks. Mm. And then just a few weeks later, they stopped altogether. Wow. And that was probably, I mean, I, it was, I know it was over 18 years ago, and I have not had a single panic attack Praise since. Praise the Lord. And I just want to share this one verse, because yes. this was so huge to me at the time. Um, this is Hebrews 2, 14 and 15. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity, so that by his death, he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. So that was that was me. Yeah. <laughs> he set me free. He did. Yeah. 
He did. And you've been free for 18 years. Yep. And that's amazing. Absolutely. And the the thing that's that really stood out to me is when you, the, the part where you said God wasn't finished yet. And obviously, this was a, a process for you. You experienced the first panic attack. And then it was six months later that Kaylee had seen the shadow and, and he revealed to you what kind of the root and the source of it was. Yeah. And then it wasn't until two and a half years later, or right when you were mm-hmm. at that retreat. So there was this process. And, and like you said, the they were still there, but they started becoming less and less. And, and you were seeing God working in the midst of that. And then it was almost like this, like you used the word miracle. It was a miracle. Yeah. And you yeah. truly were free. And that grip mm-hmm. that it had on you was gone. But I know everybody's experience is so different. Right. And yeah. and there's a lot of people out there who have, have and are maybe or maybe will in the future struggle with anxiety. It's a real thing. Right. And uh, I personally had too. And um, in in that journey and the process, it's it's often so painful, <laughs> but also mm-hmm. the, the time that we, we grow the most, yeah. we learn the most, Absolutely. we experience him the most. Yeah. And so I know for me, uh, I learned to experience him as comforter. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was obviously through his word and um, just praying and just have just the crying out parts and just not having anywhere to turn, learning how to depend on him and lean Absolutely. on him. And can you think back to some things that you learned maybe uh, in that process about mm-hmm. him, about his character, about your faith? Right. What are some, right. What are some things? Well, I think um, some of it, you know, I, I can say looking back on it, mm-hmm. <laughs> what he taught me. Um, I certainly, you know, all the things that I've said, you know, I had, I had believed a lie. I mm-hmm. was afraid of a shadow and the Lord had to... Um, really kind of take care of that lie that I had believed. And, but that's something that, you know, we have to continue to believe the truth. Mm. It's, you know, it's not a one-time thing. So it's, so so that's part of the process is continuing to believe, um, you know, what God says over what I see in my circumstances. Mm. Um, So, so there was that aspect to it there, you know, just, Knowing that he's he's with me, I know I said it, when I was in the middle of a panic attack, I I could feel really alone, um, but but I knew that he was with me. I knew that I wasn't really alone. That's so good. Um, and then certainly when I'd come out of the panic attack, he was right there, you know, to comfort me. Um, I yeah, I agreed. That was certainly a season where. Even though I was questioning and even though I was begging and like, why aren't you healing me and all of that, I do see now, especially looking back, I see how close it drove me to the Lord, you know, that I I was just literally just clinging to him for dear life, right? (laughs) you know? Um, So, so yeah, it was definitely um, a season of just clinging to God. Yeah. and he's so safe to cling to. He's yeah. our strong tower. He, there's no better. Absolutely. There's no better person. Yeah, and to he cling was. To. He was so faithful. He's so faithful. Mm. You know. I mean, all of it. When even when I think too about how at the time, it just you know you can kind of get tunnel vision. Oh, you know, yeah. and it just seems like it's just all about you, <laughs> and especially if you're suffering, it's all about me. It's all about me and God. Why don't you know? Why aren't you saving me? And I'm suffering mm. and all that. And that's all true and that's all understandable. But, 
But now, look again, looking back, I see that it wasn't just about me. Wow. It's funny how even sometimes it comes out, people that probably wouldn't even share with mm-hmm. someone that they're having panic attacks. It's not like I had a sign on me that said, <laughs> oh, I used to have panic attacks. But people would just share. And now I'm I'm just, yeah, I'm sharing my story and right. I'm giving them hope, you know, that... Oh. That, that, that God wants to, to minister to them, that he's got truth for them, mm. you know, um, that he's going to be there, you know, That's that right. he's not abandoning them. Um, so absolutely, I've been able to, it, it, it wasn't just about me. Now I see that. Right. So It's a perfect example of how God doesn't waste pain. Absolutely. And he uses it. We can comfort those with the same yeah. comfort that we received. Exactly. He comforted you. He gave you hope. Yeah. He ultimately gave you freedom. And you can take and in turn uh, minister to people with, with the same type of comfort. Absolutely. And so earlier when you were sharing the part about the retreat and you went up to the altar and you felt like God was saying, you're all, or you were saying to him, you're all I have, Lord. Can you tell a little bit more about that? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you know, and I wrote in my journal, um, from some, I think I said from some long buried place in me, that answer came free and full and clear. You're all that I have. And I think part of why, a big part of the reason that I wrote uh, from a long buried place is because there was a time in my life when I I feel like um, maybe because I just didn't have as much to lose, but I was so sold out. I felt like I would have gone anywhere. I felt like I would have given my life for the Lord. I, I was not so afraid. But then I met my husband. <laughs> then I had kids. And it's like, now I had more to lose. Mm. So it, it wasn't just a fear of death. It was also kind of a, a, like a fear of loss. And the thought of something happening to my kids or something happening to me and leaving my kids without a mom, that was a huge part of that fear that I was dealing with. But there was a time in my life when I think that I really believed, at least a lot more, that God was all that I had. And so he was bringing me back to that place to show me and to teach me and remind me that that he's really the only thing that cannot be taken away from me. Wow, that's. I mean, my kids can be taken away. I could be taken away from my kids. My husband could mm-hmm. be taken away from me. But God is the only one mm. who cannot be taken away. And not only that, but he's teaching me now and he was teaching me then that he's all that I need. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um. I thought that I needed all these other things, mm-hmm. but but the Lord is teaching me he's all that I need. I, in fact, even recently I wrote that in my journal. I feel like my whole life you have been proving to me, Father, that you are all that I need. And it's, you know, like we said before, it's a process. Mm-hmm. We have to keep believing the truth. And, and, and so the Lord was taking me. Um, even deeper. You know, when I was a teenager, when I was in high school, it was maybe easier for me (laughs) to say, yes, I'll give my life for you. I'll go anywhere. I'll do anything. But then once I had a family and there was more to lose, now it's a lot harder to say, Father, you're all that I need. But but he was bringing me back to that place and revealing to me again, proving to me again, he's all that I need. And he's the only one that cannot be taken away. And once I can get hold of that, (laughs) then I'm not afraid. That's right. It it just takes all that fear right out. Um, So that's, I think, what happened at that altar. And it was 
it was like it was not even me saying it. I don't know how to explain that. It's like it was my, it was something deep in me. Mm -hmm. Something in me knew that truth and had kind of forgotten, Mm -hmm. been kind of sidetracked from it or whatever. But that truth came back out, you know, in that moment. And that's when the Lord just so gently said, you know what? You can just, you can leave that fear mm-hmm. here. You don't need you don't need yeah. it in your heart anymore. You can just leave it here. That's so beautiful. Thank you so much, Cindy. Amen. Oh my gosh, thank Amen. you for just sharing so openly and vulnerably and and honestly and beautifully. It's my privilege. It's my privilege. Well, I sure hope you enjoyed that testimony and it encouraged and inspired you today. Please be sure to listen to the next episode where I expand upon the testimony you just heard and share a takeaway, teaching, and tip based on what was shared. 